The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome to another exciting week of 1111 Talk Radio. As I embark on the Rebel Road Tour, I'm discovering many thoughts and writings that are coming through me that have me questioning things uh, in different ways. And it never fails that when I'm in a certain type of contemplation, the exact book and the exact speaker shows up to speak to that topic. As I embark on this Rebel Road Tour and really dive into a life of the unknown and this ability for myself to be as creative as possible, there was a longing within me to really connect with people in a very different way, to really tap into an intimacy of life that uh, I have not had in my life before. And so I received a book entitled Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart, Nature, Intimacy, and Sexual Energy by Julie McIntyre. And I'd like to read to you just the beginning of this because it so touches the core of, I feel like, also what I'm embarking on, but what so many of us need to allow ourselves to tap into. Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart is a book that you would read if you feel something is missing from your relationships, your love life, and maybe even your life. We have all felt such a sense of something missing, of emptiness, at least once in our lives. Many feel it most poignantly in those quiet moments just after sex or sometimes after a conversation with a friend, a bit of emptiness like something is absent. There is a knowing deep in ourselves that there is a possibility of something more, and perhaps from time to time you strive to name it, and sometimes even strive to find it. This book is about that missing thing. It explores the nature of deep intimacy, the juice of life, the food that feeds the soul of love and relationships. We all carry baggage, some lack of clarity, shame about sex and intimacy, and about our sexuality, our bodies and relationships, and our feelings. It's nearly impossible to grow up without some of the vitreous, particularly in the United States, We also carry an ecological dysfunction, a disharmony within our personal ecology and with our relationship with the deep ecology of the earth. This is from Julie McIntyre's book, Sex and Intelligence of the Heart. And she is an earth ceremonialist and spiritual teacher who leads earth medicine apprenticeships, wilderness retreats, and deep ecology intensives throughout the United States, Canada, and Ireland. Welcome, Julie, to 1111 Talk Radio. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Well, it is exciting to have you and have uh, have you answer a question because it really has felt like there is a link between our creative impulse, between our wildness, sexuality, and intimacy. 
talk a little bit about that as an introduction to our deeper discussion that's going to happen. Well, I I, te- I teach a lot about those things, and my teaching is really brings all of those things together um, for us to be fully alive, feeling our place in the universe, our place in the circle of life. Um, we all have to have meaning, and a lot of that meaning comes from our interactions with other people, with other life forms, with the earth beneath our feet, and it comes from a relationship with ourself, with our deep self, and knowing ourself. And intimacy is, I believe, is that matrix of that holds life together and gives meaning to and purpose to our life. Now, in the Western society especially, I think intimacy is equated with sex, but it doesn't necessarily mean sex, and, and sex is not the only arena for intimacy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I can. We do have, when we hear the word intimacy, we often have images of sexual liaison, sexual intercourse, um, sexual relationships is one of the first things that pops into our minds that we see and think of when we hear the word intimacy. The other thing that happens almost immediately is many of us stop breathing or our breath gets real shallow and we stop making large movements and we make ourselves really small because the idea of intimacy elicits terror in many of us or fear and so we stop breathing and really armor ourselves up and shut down but for us to feel alive and be fully alive intimacy is really about knowing who we are in the deepest deepest parts of us knowing why we're here what our original agreements are what moves us what drives us, what we get excited about, what gets us up first thing in the morning, what we look forward to in our lives. And it's about knowing and understanding and making relationship with all of those voices in our heads and really getting to know ourselves and own ourselves um, intimately. And then other relationships with friends, um, parents, children. It's really, in the West, it's really fairly superficial. I have hopes that that's changing, and I see um, glimpses of that changing, but for the most part, still in the West, everybody, we move really fast. We move really quickly where um, it's, you know, we live by sound bites, and we're hard, almost hardwired, and the next thing from walking around with with iPhones and iPads is is skull phones, which, you know, I think Bluetooth is just a step before having a skull. So all of those things create, um, they insulate us from intimacy, from real, real communication, real relationships where we know that we can undefend and be vulnerable and share our deepest selves and get to know the other person sitting across from us, whether it's friends or children. Um, And I think we do our children a huge disservice by being afraid of intimacy or not understanding what it is even. Um, It's 
you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to me. And well, I have, I have to commend you. Now. I have to really commend you on this book because my 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 first sense of it, feeling of it, experience of it, and it, and it was right from the beginning. Was this is a book that is so completely honest and authentic, and filled with truth, and one that will not let you back down from your own lies or shame or beliefs about sex or intimacy if you are holding any of that inside. So I truly commend you for the courage that it took to write this book. Uh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I'm kind of on fire about personal responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that because it is so much, you know, I think the two things, two places that we do have to go for this world to change, for our own lives to change, is really personal responsibility and to get to the place where we tell the absolute radical truth to ourselves and then be willing to share that with the world. Right, and it's hard to share any truths with the world, even our truth, if we don't know what it is, you know, if it's all superficial or it's coming from values and beliefs that we picked up as children and we've carried into adulthood that honestly don't really serve us anymore and they don't reflect who we are. And or who we've become and the changes we've made, um, becoming a a human being uh, to whatever degree of functionality human being we are. You know, we there's an assumption that because we're born into this species that we're born as human beings, but really we're born Homo sapiens. We become a human being through the challenges and through willingness to self-examine and self-correct when we made messes and so getting to know who we are is really necessary to have some truth to give to the world otherwise it's you know it's sound bites and mimicking and um, repeating stuff that we've heard that may or may not be true for us from moment to moment so I'm, I'm and the way I live my life and I'm in relationship with my grandchildren and and with my students and my apprentices is personal responsibility for your thoughts, your behavior, choices you make, um, old behaviors, um, and the, even the words we say and the meanings that we put into the words we say and the impact that those words will have on other people and the person receiving them, or even out in in the world, that for anything to change, we have to bring it all back down to the the piece of earth that is ours, that's our body, and the the truth that lives inside of us from the inside out. So you, you begin the book, and it is is so true that so many of us grew up really being lied to, either blatantly or by omission, and and there is shame around sexual longing or sexual interest or shame around our bodies or um, or it's a discussion that never really even takes place in, in a way that is open and loving so that we can be comfortable with these bodies. And then we step out into this world where the media is all about sex, 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 but then it has its own portrayal and slant on it as well. So where do we go from here? Where do we go if, if that's the experience that we've grown with? Well, again, it, it go, it's, that's where personal responsibility comes in and, and plays a part. What's, you know, a personal inventory. 
thinking about noticing how you feel about things when you read something, how you respond to it, what emotions come up, what feelings, and does it feel true for you? Does it feel like a lie? Does it feel like it's contaminated? Um, And really looking at, you know, because we have plenty of opportunity every day in conversations with other people, emails, Facebook, the news, um, to take inventory because we're always responding. A lot of it's below conscious level, but to start noticing what you're feeling, where you're feeling it in your body, and and if it feels like truth or not. And then if it feels like truth, then file it away or look at it deeper, deeper understand the implications of it. If it doesn't feel like truth, if it's old, if it's archaic, outdated, then... Toss it in the recycle bin and start making up your own map for navigating life. And part of that map is creating your own value system, those things that have value to you that are important, and your belief systems. And it's really beliefs are really the equivalent of um, computer software programming. They're just thoughts that we re- think over and over again, they become beliefs. So uh, as we age and we change those beliefs and values, a lot of them should be changing with us as we, as we are to fit who we are, who we're becoming, and who we were meant to be. The way to begin is to inventory and to take an honest, penetrating look at your beliefs and values around sex, sexuality, intimacy, eroticism, shame, masturbation, and your body and your relationship with Earth and all her inhabitants. Begin to clear out all the old impediments and deformities around being a sexual, sensual, erotic, fully alive human being. Where did your beliefs and ideas come from? Why do you still hold them? Or why do they still hold you? What do they serve? Is there another way of seeing things? What is true for you and why is it true? What beliefs and behaviors support you being a fully alive, fully sexual, empowered human being? This is from the book, Sex and Intelligence of the Heart, Nature, Intimacy, and Sexual Energy by Julie McIntyre. You can find out more about this book and all of the things that Julie is involved in by going to www.sexintelligenceoftheheart.com. We'll be right back with Julie McIntyre. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Before I get back to my guests, I just want to invite you to take a peek at the next issue of 1111 Magazine. It is out, and there are some amazing articles from people around the world, along with some special features. It also has a feature uh, regarding the Rebel Road Tour, which we'll be embarking in September, going throughout North America over the next 11 months to share lots of wonderful conversations, questions, and inquiries into topics that go really, really deep. And it is a journey about the unknown, a journey of life where we allow it to be organic. We don't plan a thing. We see what unfolds, and we start to understand that life can be a self-organizing structure for us as we step into truth, authenticity, and creativity. So definitely find out more about that at therebelroad.com. And if you haven't read my book, Conversations with the Universe, definitely pick up a copy and tap into your signs, symbols, synchronicities, and oneness that comes from the conversations with the universe and how the world speaks to you. My guest today is Julie McIntyre, and she has written Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart, Nature, Intimacy, and Sexual Energy. And I will tell you that if you want a book, it really is going to shake you a little bit and get you to be uh, truly facing some of what you believe uh, about different things, particularly intimacy, this is definitely a book that will do the trick, and I'm certain that you will resonate with many parts of her story and many parts of what she felt as she moved through the writing of this book. When we stop contaminating sex, love, and intimacy with lies and misinformation, we start shaping our own ecstatic sexual experiences, and we begin to decolonize the ideas we carry around sex and intimacy until we have thoughts and ideas that are our own that we have come to through feeling them, through analysis, experimentation, and contemplation. Only then can we be free to travel in the realm of the sacred, a realm that our sexuality opens up to us, the realm of the gods. This is from the book Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart, and you can uh, find out more about it at her website, sexandtheintelligenceoftheheart.com. So tell me a little bit about um, how we can change and shape our own sexual core experiences if we are truly feeling oppressed or repressed or victimized uh, by our our nature. I was very touched by the story that you wrote in regard to wanting the, the attention or love from your father and how that connection never really was there and then it, it led to seeking it outside. And, and I see that in so many places and I know that even in my own culture so often there's this disconnect, there's a formality between um, especially girls and, and their fathers in my own culture. So how, how do we get to that place where we can reach intimacy between another person when that is all that we've known? 
Oh, well, there's a few the, uh, few steps to take. The first one is, well, not necessarily in this order, but one is, an early step is to to realize that's what you want, that you want to go below superficial relationships, that you want something that's um, lasting and deep and has roots, that you feel the bond and the trust between the two of you that flows back and forth like a sweet nectar from a bee and a flower, that it moves back and forth. And so deciding that's what you want and part of it is getting irritated and bored with mainstream superficiality Um, and then deciding that's what you want, making a choice that you will actively work to have that in your life, that you will actively undefend and notice times that you're defended. You know, that armoring and that defensiveness, we can feel it in our bodies, but we have to be home in our bodies to to feel it and understand what it is we're feeling and why we're doing that and where it's coming from, what its roots are. You know, we learn really young how to defend ourselves, especially where intimacy is concerned because we believe, many of us believe that intimacy is dangerous, that if I show the deepest parts of myself to another human being that I will die or something really bad will happen. So it takes a lot of um, inner reflection and spending time to get to know yourself and tracing where those fears are, where they came from originally, and having conversations with yourself about that's, you know, we used to do that thing and it worked for us then, but let's try something else. A thing that I do that makes it easier and takes some of the pressure off is I'll have conversations with myself and one of them is, you know, let's experiment. So I have some childlike energy about it and going into like, this is an experiment. Let's do something different and see what happens. Like we're all going to die anyway. You know, there's no... the as much as science has has been trying to extend life and um, avert death, each one of us is going to die. In fact, by the time we're done with this conversation, we're all closer to it than we were an hour ago. So why not try something different? You are here to have a life, to have experiences, to fall in love with life and to ha- enjoy these bodies, these amazing sensual, erotic, sexual bodies of of these forms with hands and feet that are akin to claw that touch the earth and grip the earth and climb and, and feel the elements on our skin. So deciding that you want to have a full life and have life experiences is a huge part of it. And then doing the work internally, monitoring all of the emotions and feelings that are coming up and addressing them one by M1 so they don't accumulate and then in that accumulation of of unaddressed fears and anxieties and old shames that becomes a, you know, it builds up and eventually if we're not tending to them then we make a mess or we have a fight with our lover or our partner or a good friend or our children 
because we're not paying attention to what's happening and addressing things directly inside of us. Well, and that sounds like it's something that really does take uh, an enormous risk. It, it, it's going way beyond the comfort levels that we have, and and it's asking us to be vulnerable and exposed probably in ways that we have not been. But in doing that, is it that we're trying to really create the intimacy with the outside, or is it that we're finally creating the intimacy inside that we needed so that it then can be also on the outside? Uh, um, both, and they can happen simultaneously, but in the but the primary focus and primary relationship is internal. It's with you. It's with ourselves. You know, we're the one we're always looking for. We, and many of us spend our life going, looking outside for the person or the home or the job or the thing, whatever it is. It can be anything that will make us happy. If only that, you know, if only I was thin enough or smart enough or, or faster or taller or shorter or... Um, well, you know, we have a habit, and it starts really young, that we look outside of ourselves for um, meaning, for purpose, to feel worthy, to um, uh, validate our existence, for someone else to give us permission to be alive, to take up space, to, to make noise out loud. But it really, there's no shortcut. And if there had been, I would have found it. I Trust me, I would have. I would have. I didn't like this work when I started it. It was awkward. It was. It was scary. It was uncomfortable. And I started doing it slowly and intermittently. And then one day I realized I was feeling better. I was feeling like I'm the. I am the center of my universe. I get to decide how I feel, what I think, what my thoughts are what I feel, how I move, how I present myself to the world without being at the effect of something external or getting derailed emotionally because some unresolved thing inside of me got pushed or touched on. And so mm-hmm. I started doing this work and I started seeing changes pretty quickly and devoted my life to it because I, it's powerful, it's fun, sometimes it's scary, it is hard, rigorous self-examination is, it's called work for a reason, it is work, but there's the rewards, the richness of the tapestry of your life that is woven because of it is extraordinary. You know, I think one one really powerful statement that you have in the book is, I had learned not to let love in too far or too deep. And I think that's a statement that if, if most of us really sat back and were totally honest with ourselves, we've probably all been holding that somewhere in our body as well. You know, how much love can we stand? And we really do say, maybe I can't handle as much as I want. Right. Yeah. So how do we... How did you um, how did you come to that place of of finally letting yourself let the love come in farther and deeper than you ever have before? It was through the self inquiry. It was through um, through doing a lot of that internal work. Was there a specific um, moment or aha that really got you to the place of saying, "I'm finally willing to be wide open and let love in in the way I deserve"? Yes. 
there was a moment, um, and it was after I started a new relationship, and early in the relationship we agreed to have an intimate relationship that we would expose ourselves and share and and really go deep. And um, it took me a little while to actually keep that agreement um, because you know how it goes when you make agreements. We we make a lot of them and we think we know what that means. We think we know what we're agreeing to, but until until the other person, my partner, said, hey, wait a minute, you're not keeping your agreements. And because he could tell we were only going, I was only letting so much in. And then, so I had a lot of conversations with myself because keeping my agreements is important. It um, develops character and integrity and honorability, which is not valued so much in our culture at this moment, but it, it has a lot of value for me. So I had conversations with myself, the parts of me that were terrified, that believed if if I let that love all the way in, then that person would see that I really am damaged, that I really am not lovable, that I'm not likable, that I'm a phony, or, you know, all the things that we make up that aren't necessarily true. And until I let that all the way in, and I can literally feel it, I could feel um, how far, where it stopped inside of me, and then I could feel it going in a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, till it touched the core, deep, deep part of, of me and it was like love moves like water and little rivulets inside of you and um, one of the beautiful things about doing this work is that you raise your awareness and your sensitivity becomes so heightened that um, you, f- you feel everything, you feel things you hadn't felt before and you feel almost brand new and born again because you're so sensitive and your level of awareness just keeps going exponentially at a certain point. So I decided that I had done, I knew what the other way was like. I knew what it was like to not let it all the way in. We'd been there and done that. So, so keeping my agreements, wanting to find out, wanting to know, really hungering to know what it would be like, what would happen. How much love can you stand? It will depend on how much you're willing to let in. And whatever you're willing to let in is what you pass down to your children. Giving our children permission and encouragement to think for themselves, to own their sexuality, to be curious, is an act of political, emotional, spiritual, and cultural restoration. It is an act of relationship fostering and trust building. And it is a reclamation of the sacred. Giving our children honest information is empowering to them and to our relationship with them. They have a right to know, and we have an obligation and a responsibility to tell them and to be present for them when they have the questions. It is a loving thing to do. This is from the book Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart, Nature, Intimacy, and Sexual Energy by Julie McIntyre. You can find out more at sexandtheintelligenceoftheheart.com. Nature is having sex all of the time. That's one of the reasons we feel so alive when we are immersed in the natural world. Sexuality is an essential 
to the sensation of nature in your own body, of connecting to the piece of earth closest to you, your own flesh and bones. Many a couple has been overcome by passion while walking in the woods or on the beach. Many a soul has found solace or epiphany in nature. Living in accordance with nature depends on you being your true, whole self, a sexual, sensual, erotic, fully alive human being. We'll be right back with Julie McIntyre and Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. We are inspired and transfixed by mating songs and the tandem flights of birds during courtship. How can we deny our curiosity upon seeing animals being tender and affectionate with each other and even having sex? None of us is unmoved upon seeing a spectacular sunrise or the way a full moon enlightens and casts shadows in the dark forest. If you've ever let your hands caress the slow, smooth curves of water-worn boulders, you have been touched by the erotic, sensual, elemental power of Gaia. However much we try to deny or control nature, we cannot separate ourselves from her. We are part of nature. Nature is our nature. And Gaia is in a constant state of heat, expanding, reproducing, and expressing herself. Volcanoes, earthquakes, earth orgasms shudder and quiver in ecstatic rhythms. This is from the book Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart by Julie McIntyre, and you can find out more about her and this book at www.sexandtheintelligenceoftheheart.com. Welcome back, Julie. I I really love uh, how you have illustrated the connection of sexuality and the earth, and I, I think that that probably is something that some of us on a very unconscious level could 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 tap into, but it, I never really faced it in that way to truly see it, and I think it's really, really beautiful. How is our own sexuality and sensuality linked to Mother Earth? 
so that we can actually tap into that to assist us in being more powerful in, in tapping into our own. Yeah. It, it, well, to begin with, we are we're just another species on that's been expressed through Gaia, and so we're we're not anything special. We're just uh, um, different. We we look different than other species, but because we are, we call ourselves human beings, Homo sapiens. We have come out of the matrix of Earth, of Gaia, of her intelligence, and she doesn't do anything. Gaia doesn't do anything by accident. It's all very intentional and comes out. We've come out of her um, dreaming and imagination and sexuality. So giving up the idea that we're special is a really good place to start, that we're separate, that we're... Um, there's a hierarchy, and there's, that we're higher, and other things are are lower. Um, that sort of thinking has not served us for 200 and some years of this country's um, birth and life. And so, when we really feel that our bodies are our own special piece of earth. Um, a unique, not special, but unique piece of, of earth that our our bones and our skin, our blood, uh, all, all the things that make these physical bodies manifest that we can touch and our senses um, has all come from the earth, from the food that we eat. And if you really think back that... The vegetables that we eat have been sustained by minerals and vitamins from the earth, and and that soil that's feeding those foods are decomposed, um, composted microbes and bacteria and viruses and plants and animals that have gone back to the earth that are feeding the soil that then feed us and the bones of our ancestors that in a lot of traditions look like you know, the stone people and all of the minerals that that's in the soil also is coming from the bones of our ancestors and animals. So there's no separation in that loop. So that's one way to look at if we start to think that we are different, that we're separated, there's no way we could survive without that the physical link for for one thing. Um, but Gaia is having sex all the time. It's rich and uh, microbes and bacteria and viruses and plants are pollinating and there are pollinators that are taking pollen and spreading them across and invasive species and native species intermingling and moving. They move slower than humans or antelope, but they move across time and space. And when we walk in wilderness and we spend time alone or we take a friend with us, one of the reasons we feel so alive there is because we're moving through this invisible energetic field of sexual energy and it's impossible for us to not feel that on some level, even if it's unconscious, our bodies are responding to it and the more aware you are, the more your senses respond to it. Um, 
see even the, our, our senses become more heightened, more sensitive, acutely attuned to movement and scents on the wind, the um, leaves rustling. We start to see our, our eyes adjust differently. Our brain actually starts functioning differently in wild ecosystems and when we spend time in nature. So spending more time in the wild and making relationship with our bodies um, and falling in love with our bodies is one thing. You know, a lot of people walking around from their heads with very little relationship with anything below their shoulders. So falling in love, you know, really noticing your hands and your feet and the color of your skin. And, and one of the things I have people do I have students doing the exercises in the book, too, is to every one of us has a part of our body that we think is the ugliest part of our body or part of of our body that we hate. So closing that gap between us and earth, one of the, that exercise is a really immediate way to do that when you see the part of your body that you've hated, that you've had an adversarial relationship with, that you wish was different, I mean, just think about all of those messages, and if a friend of yours was giving you all those messages, you know, I wish you looked different, I wish you would wear different clothes, um, I wish you'd lose weight, I wish you'd gain weight, I wish you were taller, I wish you were, you know, whatever those things, but we're sending messages to that part of our body that uh, is reducing its vitality and dumbing it down so when we make relationship and really get to know and listen to those parts then we start to really own our place in the circle of life and it one of the diseases of modern culture is that feeling of separation that we don't belong and doing this work with your body and then feeling even going barefoot on the earth it doesn't take much. We can close that gap and we can feel more connected. We can feel our place. We feel more alive. Um, our life starts to take on purpose and meaning. And that's a, de- a definition of holism, of health and vitality. That's beautiful. I, I know in my own book uh, that I wrote, Conversations with the Universe, there's a whole section on the senses and how we don't allow ourselves to open to our senses and they are really much more expansive, and as we've moved from the time of indigenous cultures to now, we've lost a lot of that way to connect with the earth or connect with different things, and you talk about in your book the smell of love and how we each have our own unique smell um, that's our signature smell and that, that sexual attraction is also about that smell. Talk a little bit about how that sense uh, really helps to guide us or, or, or can be strengthened um, so that we understand the, the necessity or the use of the smell of love. Yeah, that um, always happens in the beginning on an unconscious level where, you know, we're attracted to someone and we may even like their cologne or their perfume, um, but there's a scent that we all carry that's below this topical scents that we wear or the shampoos or the soaps that we use. There's a core smell that comes from the deep, deep parts of us. Everyone has it. And 
it's that smell that plays a pretty crucial role in attraction. And we don't realize when we're kissing, we think we're kissing because it's, you know, it's a physical sensation with the lips and the tongue and it's very intimate and that's all true and it's erotic and sensual and exciting. But the other thing that's happening when we kiss someone is we we're smelling them and kissing is more about smelling than what we think it is. So it's really very important for the the health of the relationship that we like each other's smell. And it takes a while to train, first of all, giving yourself permission to smell because, you know, as you know, similar in the senses, we are, they're dumbed down in our culture. They're, we're not encouraged to to work with our senses, to feel, to sense, to smell, to stare even. It's impolite um, or rude. So giving yourself permission to to smell, it's one of my, smelling is was my least developed um, organ of perception. So I had to train myself to really start noticing. And it doesn't take very long. So once you give yourself permission, then you start noticing. And you can you can work with your senses to a very elegant degree so that um, one of my teachers was able to smell ego states and smell emotional states. Like fear has a smell, joy has a smell. Um, I think I'm starting to get off topic, but does that answer your question? Question. It is, it is. Um, and I think we're going to break. So I'm going to ask the next question when we when we return. Each one of us does have our own unique smell, and it is smell that is our soul signature alone. Sexual attraction is much about smell. And there's a German physicist and hygienist by the name of Gustav Jaeger who was one of the first to formalize the concept of pheromones, which he named anthropines. He correctly identified them. Uh, as compounds that are associated with the skin and the follicles that determine the individual signature of human odors. Um, this book, Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart, goes into many areas from the senses to our own way of loving, the shame of sex, and how to even teach our children and talk to our teens about sex. So I definitely urge you to look up Julie McIntyre and connect to her website, sexandtheintelligenceoftheheart.com. We'll be right back with Julie. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. 
As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. For those individuals that are truly on a path of evolution, this goes beyond simply loving yourself. This is about more than love. Intimacy uh, is definitely more than love because love is never enough. Intimacy is self-knowledge and self-understanding. It is befriending yourself, companioning yourself, and caring enough to notice who you are, who you have been, and who you've always wanted to be. It is caring enough to get your hands dirty, digging up the dreams that you've child, those adventures that you've always wanted to have, the projects that you wanted to create, and the books that you wanted to write that you never uh, allowed yourself to. It's finding a way the last thing you do to have them come alive in your life in this lifetime so the soul and spirit of you are awake and engaged with living. Intimacy begins in your inner world, between your legs, in those sensitive nipples, in your bedroom, on the earth, experimenting, exploring what is sexually exciting and pleasingly satisfying to you. It's discovering what makes your soul thrum, what inspires you and what holds you back. It's understanding the meanings and the stride of your walk, the carriage of your shoulders, the tilt of your chin, and the look behind your eyes. And more importantly, the who of you that is looking out of your eyes. This is the work of becoming conscious. I love that page. I absolutely love that page because (laughs) it is so raw and it is so passionate and it is so truthful. It's so very truthful because what I get from that and from the last discussion that you just had is our willingness to move beyond just sex and dive into intimacy is also our willingness to discover the senses and truly embody ourselves rather than um, so often using sex or other methods as escape. This is, this is about truly bringing it back to a place of sacredness. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but how do we do that with there? There's just so much shame around sex, and you talk about the shame of sex, and you talked about your own health issues that took place and how that created disease in your body. And, and as I read that portion of the book, I thought about how many women have been um, uh, having difficulty with fertility and, and different things. And, and to me, that seemed like it was somewhat related. Is it related to our views on sex or our views on our body or our views on intimacy? I think those views have played and do play a significant role in reproductive health and, um, you know, like 
the moment I was diagnosed with cervical cancer, I literally, the things that I saw in that moment when I heard that flash across the screen of my inner vision were all I knew nobody could convince me otherwise that they weren't related, that that diagnosis, the health of my cervix was not related to my relationships with my body, with men, my father, um, with sex and sexuality. And um, so it gave me a lot to work with. And that's one reason you know, getting to know yourself is crucial. Um, one of the reasons we're here, well, to have joy, why we're in these bodies on this planet at this time, Um but there's, you know, our bodies are these, they're the most magnificent, wondrous, what a gift, what a gift we've given ourselves to, to come here and, and take on these bodies and um, and falling in love with them and owning them and um, deciding that we are we're the creators of our universe we're the center of the universe and nobody nobody will tell me what i have a right to do and what i have a right not to do with my body and or even how i feel and i love that james hillman um said when we move with the senses acute Listening, watching, breathing in tune with the world about us, recognizing its priority in ourselves as guests, witnessing its God-givenness, and we've made a wilderness area moment. And so coming back to our senses and coming back to our bodies, because they're incredibly intelligent. And when my cervix got sick, I worked directly with the intelligence in my cervix. It told me what it needed to be well it told me what it needed to be new and whole. And I did that, and we healed together. I mean, that was my job for five or six weeks. That's all I did was was healing. But our bodies have these incredible, every organ, every organ system, every part of our body has incredible intelligence. And so whenever there's an illness or an injury... We would speed up healing so dramatically if we start working directly with the intelligence of those parts of our body. It would astonish people and, I believe, cut down on insurance costs and medical bills if we start really doing our own healing from the inside and working with our bodies as allies and not adversaries and now these are this is our own earth and earth is alive and intelligent and so are these bodies and um so I, yeah. I love that because I think that that's that's such a distinction that people need to make that these bodies are our own earth and and they the way we treat them is what we're the way we're treating the the Gaia and there's just so much that you said in there that is rich for people to take something from um whether it was the health issues and really speaking to the intelligence of the body and each organ system or just really regarding the body as earth. So if we think about how to talk to our children and teens about sex and about intimacy, uh, what, what few key points can you tell us 
in regard to that so that we tell them what we what they need to know, but we also, in a world that can sometimes take take uh, someone that is innocent and young down a very wild, unhealthy path, how do we keep them in a place that they respect and are intimate enough with themselves to know what is loving and what is harmful? Well, it starts really, really young, um, and it's never too late to establish an intimate relationship to re to establish or reestablish her strength and trust and the bond of intimacy between parents and children. Um, but with new children coming up and new parents, it's really spend some time thinking about what kind of relationship you want and starting young, developing a, a relationship of intimacy where it's not just parent-child but friends. Um, you know, parent, children don't belong to us. They come through us and we have been charged with being their guides and their mentors and giving them tools to navigate life and and trusting their own bodies is trusting their own senses and their own intuition and their instincts really fostering that trust you know one of an example of that where that trust gets um this nah, sometimes destroyed but definitely it gets real thin is with food around food you know babies come in and they eat on demand they let us know that they're happy they're unhappy when they're hungry and we let them eat as often as they want as much as they want and then this interesting thing happens in about nine months old when they're starting to just eat um, solid food and they're starting to move around and having a sense of their own physical bodies and the earth and their physical surroundings that they're starting to get a sense of um, separateness. We I'm going caregivers... to have to stop you right there, Julie, because we're running out of time, and I'm going to urge oh. everyone to definitely get a copy of your book because they can find out how to have these conversations with their children. Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart, Nature, Intimacy, and Sexual Energy by Julie McIntyre. Bodiness will be a part of the new sexual, political, and ecological revolution. This is the new sexual revolution, one of authentic voices, a revolution of earthy lustiness, fullness, out-of-the-closet, complete ownership of sexual, sensual energy, infusing everything we touch and breathe upon, the kind of revolution that pulls us out of the secret holding in and takes us out to the earth to self-baptism in the wild waters, mud between our toes and red clay under our fingernails, This will be a revolution that redefines pretty and sexy and one where beauty comes out of the body from self-love and adoration, the beauty that is created when we abandon ourselves to falling in love with men, with women, with children, with non-human beings, and when that love permeates all that we do. This is from Julie's book, Sex and the Intelligence of the Heart. You can find out more about her at sexandtheintelligenceoftheheart.com. Thank you so much, Julie, for being on the show. Until next week, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.